0: Cancer Advances, a Cleveland Clinic podcast for medical professionals, exploring the latest innovative research and clinical advances in the field of oncology. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Cancer Advances. I'm your host, Dr. Dale Shepard, a medical oncologist here at Cleveland Clinic overseeing our toxic phase one and Cleveland Clinic sarcoma programs. Today, I'm happy to be joined by Dr. Joe Scharf, director of head and neck endocrine surgery at Cleveland Clinic, and Dr. Imrula Yelmez, a medical oncologist at the Cleveland Clinic Tossig Cancer Institute Head and Neck Program. They are here today to talk to us about progress in treating anaplastic thyroid cancer. Dr. Scharf was previously a guest on the podcast to discuss advances in treatment of aggressive thyroid cancers, and Dr. Yelmez has been a guest to discuss ASCO guidelines for recurrent and metastatic head and neck cancers. Today, they are here to talk about management of anaplastic thyroid cancer. So welcome back to the podcast.
1: Thanks for having us. Absolutely. So
0: So maybe uh, just to remind us, um... Joe, what do you do here at Cleveland Clinic? So I'm a
1: head neck surgeon, otolaryngologist, uh, professor of otolaryngology, and uh, most of my practice is centered on endocrine, head neck endocrine surgery, so thyroid, parathyroid with special interest in advanced disease. Um, I do do other head neck cancers, but uh, that's my primary focus from an academic research standpoint and even clinical
2: practice. All right. Marilla, what do you do here? Yeah, I'm a medical oncologist, uh, specialized treating patients with head and neck cancers, including thyroid cancers, and uh, we uh, collaborate with our uh, colleagues in different departments and uh, make sure that they get the right systemic treatment for uh, thyroid cancers. And uh, I'm also uh, associate director of the Precision Oncology Program, so that is relevant to the thyroid cancers at the same time, since there's a lot of uh, changes in the Precision Oncology recently. Excellent.
0: So we'll, we'll, we'll end up talking a little bit about that. The management and, and and that precision oncology uh, component, but um, lots of different people might be listening in, may or m- know a little bit more or less about thyroid cancer, anaplastic thyroid cancer, and Marla, let's start with you. Tell us a little bit
2: about what is anaplastic thyroid cancer. So, anaplastic thyroid cancer is actually a, a rare type of uh, thyroid cancer. It's not among the common thyroid cancer patients that present with the surgery gets iodine treatment so this is a different one so this is an uh, aggressive cancer and on diagnosis most like uh, it's stage like stage 4a4b4c we don't have stage 1 2, 3 for this cancer so that tells about like how aggressive these cancers are and uh, they are uh, managed completely separately from other types of thyroid cancers and um, so the patients usually present with large neck mass rapidly enlarging neck mass and our clinical suspicion starts with the time that we are seeing the patients because a lot of times these patients require like rapid diagnosis and rapid uh, workup and uh, treatment decisions very quickly. So so these patients a lot of times require seeing different types of specialists right away. And so Joe, maybe from your perspective
0: as a surgeon, um, this does fall a little bit different than most thyroid cancers. So from a surgery standpoint, when you see these patients, how does... um, the initial management vary? It can vary quite a bit. Uh, Unfortunately, sometimes we meet these patients in the emergency
1: room as they're obstructed from their breathing, swallowing difficulties. Um, We do want to get tissue on them immediately, as Dr. Yilmaz had said, to help uh, diagnose what we're highly suspicious of. So if there's a rapidly growing mass, particularly in elderly patients, we have to be suspicious that it's uh, an anaplastic cancer, potentially lymphoma, but a lot of times more worried about um, anaplastic thyroid cancer. And so their airway may be at risk, that has to be stabilized. We try to avoid doing tracheotomies on patients, but if they're in such a desperate situation, sometimes we have to do that almost on presentation, even it's that, it's that
0: aggressive. And so really, we're thinking maybe from a surgical standpoint, it's as much about airway management and things like that than actually a primary therapy for the tumor. (laughs) Right. So
1: most of them uh, will come in at a more aggressive, maybe even unresectable stage. And unresectable would mean encasement of the carotid artery into the prevertebral musculature or very morbid where you'd have to remove a larynx. There are some patients where they could come in at stage 4A where it could be potentially surgically resectable. And you would want to surgically resect those if you could. And we've had patients with great success doing resections for stage 4A tumors. But once they start to get into stage 4B, which means regional lymph nodes, which are enlarged, or 4C with distant metastasis, then we're thinking in other directions now of trying to get the best outcome
0: for patients. And then from that multidisciplinary um, standpoint, um, Amrilla, what, what's your uh, sort of, as we, as we see a new diagnosis, how,
2: how is medical oncology involved? So um the involvement of the medical oncology again like uh, especially like within our multidisciplinary team uh, begins even before the biopsy so uh, uh a lot of times uh, these patients end up seeing our colleagues in ENT uh, head and neck surgery and then uh, when there's a suspicion up front they alert us and that also includes like for example pathology with the diagnosis as well cuz like the challenge uh, even the diagnosis of these cancers might be challenging cuz a lot of times they might end up getting a needle biopsy and It might be looking like a sarcoma, differentiate from different types of cancer. So have to make a really accurate diagnosis. And then we talk to the pathologist to try to get the markers uh, run quickly so that we can make a treatment decision right away. Because if the patients are deemed not candidate for surgical resection, then they will uh, need a systemic treatment planned right away and uh, we would like to th- uh, have that plan moving uh, from the time that the patient comes to the clinic and so i guess when you talk about precision
0: oncology and things I've certainly markers are important aggressive disease these things don't we don't get that information quickly how do we manage in that situation
1: well, we, we were able to get it very quickly for some of the patients because one of the big markers is BRAF mutation for this particular diagnosis. So we'll rapidly try to find within a day if it was BRAF positive and if it's anaplastic. And so if that requires an open biopsy, often we don't have to do an open biopsy. You usually can get with a core biopsy without going to the ORB. If we needed to, we, we want to get that as fast as possible to get that information within
0: a day. So we're actually able to get that Within a day. So some in some some cases, when you're doing more full panels, it takes significantly longer. And we will send that out for more full panels. And but but for
1: some of the newer treatment paradigms, and uh, we really want to know BRAF status for anaplastic
0: thyroid cancer. Right. So so sort of related to that. Back to you, Amarilla.
2: Standard of care right now. What do we do for? In a plastic so standard be. of care with the systemic treatment chemotherapy has been the backbone of the treatment and even with those chemotherapies the agents that we use are from like de- decades ago like uh, we don't have any novel chemotherapy that is very effective for this type of cancer so that's why uh, even though it is rare like the mortality rate has been really high for this type of cancers patients living six to nine months in different studies so but the uh, uh, findings about the BRAF made a big difference that the patients with BRAF mutation can have a good response to BRAF-targeted therapies, which is... Uh, dabrefenib and trametinib combination which is an approved uh, treatment for this type of cancer so for the patients who has braf mutation if we start dabrefenib and trametinib so the patients might have a quick response and much um, uh, can live longer than what we know so far so that's why we really would like to know about the braf status right away for these patients and that's why if, like, starting from the diagnosis, we are in touch with the pathologist to try to get the immunohistochemistry right away. And if the BRAF is positive, we start the process of getting the patients starting the dabrafenib trametinib immediately. Sometimes the tissue might be challenging, so that's why we uh, ask our ENT colleagues, Dr. Sharp's team, to see if another biopsy would be possible just to check the BRAF. And the other alternative that we, with the advances in the precision oncology with the genomic testing, the blood testing for the mutational status. So that might give a little bit quicker res- a result than tissue testing. So that's why we tend to send the patients for the blood testing for the genomic analysis. So and eventually we get the tissue analyzed for detailed genomic analysis to make sure that we know as much as it is possible about the genetic changes going on in the tumor.
0: When we think about the BRAF, specifically the V600E, Mm -hmm. um, what percentage of patients have that mutation with anaplastic thyroid cancer?
2: It's up to 40, 50% of the patients, and even in this that Dr. Sharp uh, published, so it was in that range that we see the BRAF mutation in our patients as well.
1: It's been widely published about that number. We came out 47%, so we were in line with what other literature has been showing for it. All
0: right. So, Joe, let's switch. Uh, let's switch over to you here and t- tell me a little bit about that. You've you've uh, you sort of published a, a look back at mm-hmm. a long experience here at Cleveland Clinic and in, in terms of uh, anaplastic thyroid cancer. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So um, guidelines came out from the American
1: Thyroid Association in 2021 for anaplastic thyroid cancer, and a lot of it has centered on this rapid team approach and also um, diagnostic testing with the molecular testing. And so with this paradigm shift of treatment, we wanted to look back at our experience to get a sense of where we've been and what results we were getting. Uh, and then we'll be able to compare going forward to, to what we're um, going to find. And we looked at about a 20-year experience. We had a large study, especially for the literature, of 97 patients. Um, and as we would expect, our results were uh, poor outcomes for patients for this disease process, for everyone in line with it, with a median overall survival of only six and a half months. Um, very humbling, very humbling disease. And so we also got a sense for how many patients would have ref positive mutation. That came out to about 47%. Patients who could have surgery, maybe 4A or more resectable tumors, obviously did a lot better than other patients. And so now we have a baseline going forward and we're involved with clinical trials to see how patients are going to do going into the future and compare those results.
0: And I guess um, just sort of for, for perspective, Joe, we've talked before in another podcast about mm. thyroid cancers in general. And um, there's a wide range of thyroid cancers out there. Again, more for perspective mm. about this particular disease and its aggressiveness, yeah. six, month, six to nine months survival. How does that compare to most other thyroid cancers? So the vast majority of uh, thyroid cancer is a, a
1: very good prognosis with 90, 95 or greater percent survival. And so it's a fascinating organ where you have some thyroid cancers that are small, quite indolent to the point where there's very good evidence for active surveillance, not even operating and watching patients all the way up to one of the worst cancers in humankind with anaplastic thyroid cancer. So they're at complete ends of the spectrum. Right. But the vast majority do very well. Right. I just want to make
0: sure that people, as they hear thyroid cancer, they realize this is a pretty aggressive subset. Right. So, Amarillo, when you think about um, therapies, we talk about the the, really what the dramatic changes with BRAF therapies. What are other targets that might be in play? Have we identified other good targets that that might be um, active for these patients?
2: For these patients, even if there's BRAF mutation, like with the um, BRAF non mutant cancers, there are a lot of uh, wide variety of the mutations that can be seen, and those so far have not been found to be like a very good target. There are a lot of studies going on among that. And the other one is uh, immunotherapy. You know, we use PDL1 targeted immunotherapy immune checkpoint inhibitors for. A lot of different diseases and there is a lot of data coming up with the effectiveness of immunotherapy in anaplastic thyroid cancer. The only issue is you know, this is a rare cancer first and also a very rapidly growing cancer so that's why designing a clinical trial and getting the patients in a clinical trial a little, is a little bit challenging because you want to start the treatment right away and you have a very short window to try to get the patients to clinical trial So that's why having prospective uh, established clinical trial data is a little bit challenging for this cancer, but one of the things, again, systemic treatment is important, but what we are hearing is, uh, and what we are knowing is, surgery, even though this, like with the patients with the metastasis, surgery is very important. So, um, and and Dr. Sharp's study, uh, even the patients with this metastasis, if they had surgery, their outcome might be better. So uh, that is one of the things that is moving forward with the treatment of anaplastic thyroid cancers about how to integrate like systemic treatment, safe, effective systemic treatment with the surgeries. So that's why uh, we recently opened up a clinical trial here at the Cleveland Clinic uh, that is led by MD Anderson. And that gives for, uh, that's for the BRF-mutated patients to combine immunotherapy, pembrolizumab, with daurefenib and trametinib. And uh, this is for unresectable metastatic patients, and if with these systemic treatments, if they become resectable, even though patients have distant metastases, metastasis, see how the outcome changes with the surgical resection. So that's why integrating targeted therapy, immunotherapy, and also surgery for these patients. So that seems to be one of the things that we're looking at in the future.
0: It's really kind of stabilizing the disease with that upfront systemic therapy followed by surgery. Mm-hmm. So, Joe, tell us a little bit about from a surgery standpoint, your your perspective as a surgeon, um, a lot of the head and neck cancers, they're localized the head and neck. They haven't spread. They don't spread. Um, in, a, in a situation like this would be, are you mostly looking at the, the prospects of taking out the primary tumor or also taking out the METs from a surgical perspective? I mean, if the, so we do have a patient that's undergone
1: trial and I'm operating on next week uh, who has regional METs to the neck, not evidence of distant disease at this point. But even if they did, I would still look to get control of that because uh, we don't want to ever lose control in the neck for breathing, oral alimentation, quality of life all of that. We just don't want to see patients suffering from those basic human functions. So we do want to try to find a balance here to get control of the situation. So we would offer surgery to allow patients, even if they had metastatic disease in another part of the body, hoping that other treatments may improve and, and can sustain a longer, you know, quality of life for them.
0: Yeah, it's, I mean, you know, re- resection of metastases seems to be a much more effective strategy in some cancers than others. So, mm-hmm. um, but really maintaining control in the neck seems to be the yeah. the biggest concern. And we have, you know, this is a very multidisciplinary team approach. So there might be
1: meds in the lungs where Dr. Koifman may be able to use SBRT on or a different, you know, uh, treatment to try to get control in those areas as well. Or our pulmonary doctors may, you know, thoracic doctors may think of removing certain types of oligometastatic disease. We'll have to think that way about it a little bit and see how they're responding to the treatment.
0: And so this is, it's a rare subset of thyroid cancer. It's aggressive. So by nature, people don't, they need to start treatment soon. Some of the advantages of coming to a place like Cleveland Clinic with multidisciplinary care, should everyone with an anaplastic thyroid cancer try to to get to a specialized center? Absolutely. Um, Unique to the Cleveland Clinic is our team
1: approach, even at major centers. they don't always have the rapid team response that we have. If someone we find out has aplastic cancer, someone from our team will see them that day. I know Dr. Miller will see them immediately that day or the next day. Same with our radiation oncologist. So everyone comes together very, very quickly here to do it. Um, we also uh, are offering these trials that other centers aren't offering. It's very rare, even at major centers. So you would think that someone may want to send them to, to see us as well to offer this kind of treatment.
0: Is there anything from a, a, a surgical technique a uh, standpoint that's particularly different with anaplastic cancer, we talked about, you know, timing of systemic therapies, anything from a, mm-hmm. a technical standpoint that is, is up and coming. Yeah. So from a technical
1: standpoint, the cases are certainly going to be expected to be a lot more scarred tissue within the, the neck and area. So we do have a lot of experience here. there from our other head and neck cancer patients who have had chemoration for, say, squamous cell cancer, other types of cancer. So we have a lot of experience of safely managing airways, major blood vessels, nerves in those situations. So it's not a type of thyroid that would be done very in the community at this point, I would expect it would be something where you want a very good multidisciplinary team. And you may need vascular surgeons or thoracic surgeons available and on backup for those type of cases.
0: And anything particularly unique from like a reconstruction standpoint? Yeah. And so
1: we have had situations uh, and we have not done this for anaplastic yet, but I have for other aggressive variants, where some of my reconstructive partners have put free flap tissue into reconstruct esophagus to let patients swallow and breathe more comfortably, a regular oral diet again we've achieved for patients when they have an invasion of the cervical esophagus. So that's a, a very unique thing that we offer for the patients.
2: Yeah, just to add to that multidisciplinary approach, I think this can give an idea about like how we are approaching. Because like just for example, uh, in the last few months, like one of the patients that who came in, uh, the way that we uh, approached the patient's CT scan showed a large thyroid mass suspicious for uh, anaplastic thyroid cancer. And then that same week, uh, earlier in the week, I think it was a Monday or Tuesday, that the patient saw Dr. Sharp, had a biopsy. And while biopsy is pending, the uh, patient was scheduled to see us in the same week. And then during the pathology was pending, we reached out to pathologists to be ready for the BRAF staining. By Friday, we had the BRAF status, but while BRAF was pending, our radiation oncology was aware and ready to start radiation in the weekend if needed. But uh, Friday afternoon, we got the BRAF result, and then Friday evening, we started the first dose of the BRAF inhibitor, and the patient did not need to get the radiation and had a very quick response right away with the BRAF inhibitor. So that's why, basically, When we're talking about multidisciplinary and quick diagnosis and approach, we're talking about days uh, for this cancer. And we are able to make a treatment planning within days when we see this type of cancer.
1: And that that particular kind of patient, too, in the past, I may have had to come in on a Saturday in the middle of the night to do a tracheotomy. It's that rapidly growing into the airway where he may have needed a tracheotomy just to breathe uh, somewhere on Saturday or Sunday. But yet we were able to find that and avoid that form, which was great
0: impressive so great uh, great multidisciplinary management we have some encouragement from a medical oncology targeted therapy new new approaches
2: and on top of that with a city with our uh, basic research departments over there we have really great scientists very experienced well-known scientists uh, known with the ongoing research on identifying novel targets and um, resistance to the BRAF inhibitors how to alter those resistance so we have a lot of basic research going on at the same time. And we're trying to get our clinical knowledge and experience to connect with the basic scientists to see how we can improve the future treatment approaches for these patients at the same time. So it's great. So really bad disease, but looks like a, a promising future
1: in terms of new approaches. Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing results I wouldn't have expected to see in my lifetime, actually, with what we're seeing. I, we have this one patient study, just the results that Dr. Murula has gotten for her this past couple of weeks with the targeted therapy has made her a resectable case, and I'm hoping she's gonna do well. There's hope that's being provided that we that was gonna be difficult to provide in the past, as we've seen from our own evidence, our own studies of how patients did over the years with this disease.
0: Wow, that's fantastic. Well, thanks for being with us today. Right. Appreciate it. Thank you very
2: much, it's always great. Thank you so much.
0: To make a direct online referral to our Toxic Cancer Institute, Complete our online cancer patient referral form by visiting clevelandclinic.org slash cancerpatientreferrals. You will receive confirmation once the appointment is scheduled. This concludes this episode of Cancer Advances. You will find additional podcast episodes on our website, clevelandclinic.org slash podcast. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts.